This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. It is Tuesday morning, and we appreciate you tuning in. Typically, we have Cousin Sal on the program, but today, because Cousin Sal got called up to the Bill Simmons podcast, we go to another ace in our bullpen. He, of course, is John Jastrzemski, JJ Bombs. Great to see you, man. How are you? Tate, uh, the pleasure is all mine. The curveball's feeling great coming out of the bullpen, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm ready to rip, man. After a big weekend out in L.A. with the Ringer Wise guys, I'm back in the Big Apple. It is snowing for the first time in over a calendar year. So uh, all is right in the world, man. January in New York City, dude. It's a lot of whiplash. Yeah, we had a great time this weekend. Uh, I got to go on the Ringer Wise guys. Sal gave me some overalls, some Carolina overalls. You and I played some golf this weekend. So uh, it was a jam-packed week. We had some great times. And uh, shout out to everybody that was tuning into the content. You guys did great stuff there with the ringer wise guys and uh you talked about it um we got to talk about these wild card games on monday because that was a bit of a wild card um wild card weekend wasn't the best but we did have a game that was moved to monday of course i'm talking about the pittsburgh steelers taking on the buffalo bills and josh allen three touchdown passes in this game but the real conversation is about a fake slide jj let's start there what are your thoughts on josh allen uh faking the slide giving himself up but then ending up with a 52 touchdown run are we upset about this are we worried about this is this going to be a rule we see in the future? Listen, I wouldn't love it if I bet on the Pittsburgh Steelers or I were a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. <laughs> We've seen Josh Allen do this sort of stuff in the past, but I kind of equate it Tate, to like flopping in basketball. It's kind of game gamesmanship, game. you know what right. I mean? So if you can go and get away with it and you can go and sell a call, more power to you. And <laughs> to, to me, the bigger takeaway, and I know a lot of people are going to talk about the officiating. Look, the officiating played a role in Pittsburgh maybe not covering this number. The pass interference they missed on Pickens, the, the player referencing with Allen. But there was never a moment in this game where you legitimately felt like the Pittsburgh Steelers could win. Even when they cut it to seven, that was the closest this game was. Buffalo is losing a couple of guys at linebacker. That, to me, is where Buffalo should be commended in this game and Allen should be commended. 
They're up seven. There's a little bit of pressure on them for the first time in a game. He goes right down the field. Shakir makes the great play. They score a touchdown. And from that point forward, Tate, it was game, set, match. Yeah, three touchdown passes for Josh Allen. And you mentioned it every single time the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of put the pressure on the Buffalo Bills and you felt the crowd get a little bit tight as they sat in the snow-covered seats. It felt like the Bills had the answer. So that was good news to see if you're a Buffalo fan. Right now, if you look at the odds, Buffalo plus 500 to win the Super Bowl. Did this game help you kind of confirm a belief that this team is, you know, of the of the ilk to go and win a Super Bowl, JJ? Uh, not really, Tate, because this is a game that <laughs> No, 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 no. Listen, we've seen Buffalo go and beat Dallas. They did that earlier this year. They mm-hmm. had the big win at Arrowhead Stadium back in December. That was kind of their springboard for making this run and stunning the Dolphins and winning the AFC East and then going and getting, you know, a layup in the wild card round. This was a game they needed to win. Like, I I don't think it changed my feeling and perception on what I think about them as far as a Super Bowl contender. Look, Josh Allen's super talented. Buffalo does a much better job of running the ball. What I'd be concerned about going into this Kansas City game, though, the injuries are really starting to pile up for the Bills on the defensive side. They didn't have Rasul Douglas. They're losing linebackers. That's something we got to watch now as we move forward this week. You know, A.J. Klein did a really good job stepping in. They basically signed him off the street. He had been with them forever. He spent a couple of years with the New Orleans Saints. And I thought he was one of the more unsung heroes of this particular game because he really did help them out in tackling and in coverage and whatnot. But As far as Buffalo and their Super Bowl chances, look, I thought going into the playoffs, once they got a two seed, their path was set up rather nicely. They'll get Mahomes at home here this weekend. And if script holds, they'd have to go and beat Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Wouldn't that be one hell of an AFC title game? Because if, and I know we're jumping a gun and I'm not necessarily picking Buffalo over Kansas City. I haven't made my mind up on who I like in that game yet. But wouldn't that be a great storyline, the idea of either Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen finally breaking through? Because these guys, they've won a lot of games over the last couple of years. Lamar Jackson's going to have a second MVP. Allen is flirted with some MVPs. That could be the breakthrough ball, potentially, Tate, if both favorites all serve in the AFC. I like where your head's at. You're talking about the narratives. We've got a lot of great storylines in the NFL playoffs. And, you know, one of the biggest ones is Baker Mayfield, the redemption story. Let's talk about the Buccaneers. They take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Everybody was wondering what Philadelphia team will show up, the team that we saw earlier in the season that got to 10-1, and one, or the team that we've seen, you know, down the stretch this past, you know, five or six weeks. And we got that team. And uh, it was a night that we could focus on the Eagles, but it really, I want to start on the positive with Baker Mayfield. He was incredible in this game. Three touchdowns, over 300 yards passings. Uh, the first Buccaneers quarterback to do that, which is pretty shocking. What were your thoughts on Baker Mayfield and him going and winning this playoff game for Tampa Bay? Well, I think it's really cool. I was always a big Baker Mayfield guy coming out of Oklahoma. He goes to Cleveland. He's got all this swag. There's all this excitement about him being the Browns quarterback. And this idea, Tate, that he was a flop and a failure in Cleveland, I just thought was ridiculously unfair. I mean, he went to Pittsburgh a few years ago and won a playoff game. The following year in his final season in Cleveland, he was playing with all sorts of crazy injuries. He gutted through that year when, in reality, he probably should have been shut down and probably shouldn't have played. And I bet you the Cleveland Browns were watching this game today saying, man, I wish we had Baker Mayfield still as our quarterback as opposed to Deshaun Watson and all the questions he brings to the table. They had to go and get Joe Flacco off the street. 
I, I have found myself very much rooting for Baker Mayfield. And you mentioned those terrific numbers he had against Philly. Hey, let's be real. They should have been even better in this game because yeah. Tampa couldn't catch a cold in the first half. And, and his completion percentage was probably knocked down about 15 to 20% because guys are dropping wide open passes, including Mike Evans, oh, by the way, for a touchdown. But listen, Baker Mayfield went to Tampa. They basically gutted that team from a salary cap standpoint, meaning they couldn't go and add to what they had. You know what I mean? Like they couldn't be big players even after losing Tom Brady to retirement. Crazy dead cap and Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield win a playoff game and they can go to Detroit, let it all hang out, play loosey-goosey. I mean, you want to talk about a house money team. We're going to have two house money teams in the divisional round in the NFC. Tampa is one of them. The Green Bay Packers are the other. But yeah, hats off to Baker Mayfield on a terrific, terrific season. Yeah, and Baker Mayfield uh, was on a one-year contract, and he came in and had to compete in camp against Kyle Trask. So there's going to be a very interesting conversation in the offseason when it comes to Baker Mayfield and his contract and his future with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, excited for those. Hey, JJ, you want to play my favorite game, a.k.a. Joe House's least favorite game, over underreactions? Uh, are you ready to do this? We're gonna oh, miss let's, We're gonna let's rock. Fun. Yes, I am ready to go, Dave. Fire away. <laughs> Yeah, let's go with the first one. Mike Tomlin will not be the Steelers head coach next season. Is that an over or underreaction, JJ? Uh, it's an overreaction. It's okay. an overreaction because Mike Tomlin is going to be the Steeler coach until I see otherwise. I know people hey, are trying to connect the dots by his press conference that happened at the end of this game against the Bills and some of the tea leaves that have been out there. But it's kind of one of those elements to me where he's still under contract. He still loves coaching as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. And the Steelers, they're very hesitant and resistant to make any sort of change. I mean, in my lifetime, I've only known two Pittsburgh Steelers head coaches, Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin. So I'm going to say that's an overreaction. And I'll say September 2024, Mike Tomlin is rocking the aviators and the long sleeve Steelers shirt uh, coaching at Heinz Field or whatever they call that stadium these days. Yeah, quick tangent. Uh, who's the quarterback of the Steelers? Is it Mason Rudolph, who we just saw in the playoffs? Is it Kenny Pickett? Uh, you know, or is it somebody else that they signed in the offseason? Because I think as much as we want to talk about Mike Tomlin, the quarterback position is the real fascinating thing for this team. I'm going to say they give Kenny Pickett another year. I think he'll have to win the job. I think he'll be in a competition. They did invest the first round picking him. I'm not, full disclosure, the biggest Kenny Pickett fan in the world. I don't uh, like the gloves. Uh, you're out on the gloves. See, yeah. anytime I see gloves, uh, that's a red flag for me, JJ. Well, Kurt Warner used to rock the gloves. He pulled it yeah. off. Kurt, Kurt Warner is like a one, one in a million. You know what I mean? Like he, he's the only one that can really get it. Yeah, Roethlisberger maybe. But it usually means small hands, which uh, I, I don't think that's good for, for holding a football in cold weather. So you're out. Gloves for a quarterback, you're out. But I'm going to say it is Pickett week one next year. Okay, I like that pick. Uh, the next one for you, JJ. Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, he's got the Super Bowl now. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction? That's an underreaction because Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Did I get that right, by the way? With that? Yeah. All right, good. I wanted to make sure my definition of underreaction <laughs> was accurate. No, you I got it right. Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Look at the numbers he has put up over the last 12 to 14 years. He goes and wins the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. He goes and takes another team to the postseason this year. And Tate, the reason why I think more than anything, it's an underreaction. I think Matthew Stafford's got a lot of good football in him. I really do. Mm -hmm. Like the Rams this year 
in many ways were ahead of schedule. You know, their over-under total, I think, was like at six or six and a half. People were wondering how Matthew Stafford was going to bounce back after the injuries. He still got cup there. Puganaku is a stud. They're going to add to that team. Kyron Williams ran it great. McVay seems to be revitalized and doesn't seem like a guy who's thinking about his next uh, stop in coaching or in broadcasting or whatever the case may be. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford plays a few more years. I think his numbers are going to be top-notch. I think he's going to end up being a Hall of Famer. I do. Uh, the Peacock stream record that we saw for the Dolphins and Chiefs games means that we're going to see playoff games a lot more on Peacock. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction, JJ? Um, I think it's an underreaction because they got the it's partnership. Yeah, yeah, now you want to tell me it's another streaming provider that gets involved, whether it's uh, Amazon or you know uh, Paramount Apple. Plus or Apple or whoever. I think they have opened the pathway for this becoming a thing again. So uh, if you don't have these uh, these apps and these subscriber services, you may have to get on your game come wildcard weekend. Just saying. Yeah, get a smart TV. Last one, JJ. Jerry Jones, uh, Cowboys owner, will call Bill Belichick about the Cowboys head coaching job. Overreaction or underreaction? No, nah, it's an underreaction because they're going to have a coaching change and Jerry Jones is making that call. Now, I don't know what that partnership would look like. I don't know if Bill Belichick would want to work for Jerry Jones. But that call will be made, and the Cowboys are making changes. So yeah. it's fair. Things are happening, and uh, Bill Belichick already interviewed uh, for the Falcons job apparently today. So uh, things are in motion. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back with JJ, we're going to do some line look-aheads for d- the divisional round in the playoffs. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer here with John Jastrzemski. And uh, now we got the divisional round to look ahead, and we're going to do some line look-aheads now. And, J.J., let's start with the Houston Texans taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Texans plus 8.5 in this game. The total is at 46 points. Who do you like? Do you believe C.J. Stroud, the rookie, can go in and get a win against Baltimore? So, Tate, I don't think he can go and get a win. But I'm very curious to see what the psyche is going to be of Baltimore in this game. Remember, Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, they've had some demons in the postseason. The last time there were one seed, Derrick Henry and Ryan Panahill went in there and won a game. Uh, We've seen Lamar give you some stinkers. Buffalo on the road is a perfect example. So he's been amazing all year. He's going to win the MVP. While they may be a little sluggish coming out of the gate. I think the Texans are another one of these teams that has absolutely nothing to lose. They have experienced playing against the Ravens this year. Uh, I need better luck because my wildcard weekend picks on Ring of Wise guys left a lot to be desired, and I don't want to be spoiling the party yet. But I do think, Tate, there are two big favorites, the Ravens and the Niners. And the sense I get with all the blowouts we had in wildcard weekend, don't you think one of those one seats is probably going to have a little bit of their hands full? I'm just trying to figure out who that team's going to be. 
Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And with C.J. Stroud under center, I mean, two of his touchdown passes came out of play action. The Ravens are going to have to deal with that play action. It's impressive to see a rookie be able to operate under center. A lot of times we see guys in shotgun. A lot easier to read if it's a run coming out of shotgun than it is when a guy's under center. So um, there's some fascinating matchups with that Ravens defense taking on C.J. Stroud and this offense that is hot right now for the Texans. So I, I think you're right. Close games will be something to keep an eye on. Let's look at the next game. we got the Green Bay Packers, who everybody fell in love with this past weekend taking on the number one seed San Francisco 49ers Packers plus nine and a half in this game the total is at 50 and a half points who do you like in this one JJ well think about the narrative for the Packers Aaron Rodgers for years could never go to San Francisco and beat the Niners wouldn't it be insane if Jordan Love is able to go and do it in his first year starting with the Packers I mean that would I, I, I thought people getting on Rodgers for Love and the Packers winning wildcard weekend kind of was a little above and beyond like Rogers has caused enough trouble for himself over the last few weeks. Yeah, This right. was one of those instances where I was like, this is way more pro Packer than it is anti Rogers. But to dance around your question, no, Tate, I, I do not like the Packers chances at all. Now, full disclosure, I thought the Cowboys would wipe the floor with their defense, but San Francisco pound for pound is the best team in the league. Uh, they have owned this rivalry. They're going to have Trent Williams ready to go. They're going to have Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel ready to go. Uh, maybe you see a sluggish first half out of them, but I, I think a lot of people after what happened in Dallas are going to want to hop on this Green Bay bandwagon. And my advice to everybody out there is be careful because you're going to be going up against the most complete team in the NFL. I think San Francisco wins by double digits. Yeah, and I do think the exuberance and the youth of you know Green Bay is something that they kind of have in their back pocket, and it does help at some level. And Jordan Love, you know, seems like he's one of those guys where it, it looks like he's another Hall of Famer, right? We go from Favre to Rodgers to what looks like Jordan Love. So there's a lot of optimism about what we saw from the Packers in Dallas, and it and most expectation is that it will translate. But uh, playing the 49ers is a totally different animal as we've seen throughout the year. So I think you're right on that one. Uh, next game we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Detroit Lions. Buccaneers plus six the total is 48 and a half points in this one do we think Baker Mayfield we got Baker Mayfield versus Jared Goff two former number one picks that kind of got spurned by the teams that draft them now playing each other in the playoffs who do you like in this one JJ the sense I get with this game Tate everyone and their mother is going to bet Detroit that's just my personal feeling because people are going to look at Tampa and they're going to say hey you were a product of the Eagles just being an absolute mess across the board no AJ Brown Jalen Hurts and his thumb, them uh, being unable to handle any defensive game plan that Todd Bowles threw their way as far as blitzing extra guys and the Eagle defense having no interest in tackling and being completely out of position. But I just kind of smell a rat. You know, we do this on Ring of Wise guys where we have rat lines and we talk about them throughout the regular season. I love it. Th this to me, more than any of the four games, in my opinion, is a rat line because you get in Detroit. At six, Detroit after their first ever playoff win. I just get the sense. Detroit probably is the better team and they'll probably find a way to win. Just telling you right now, though, Tate, this game's going to be closer than you think because I think Tampa, they have a plan on defense. They're well coached on defense. And you can make plays against that line secondary. That means Evans. That means Godwin. That means Baker Mayfield. My lean right now with that game, I think I'm going to be on Tampa plus six. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people that are buying into the the Tampa bandwagon at this point, and they did have a Super Bowl roster in place with Tom Brady, and it's kind of crazy. It feels like so much has happened in football, but just a year ago, Tom Brady was on this roster, um, even though it feels like eons ago at this point. So Tampa Bay um, sneaking up on some people, and they might sneak up on the Detroit Lions. Last game, the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Buffalo Bills. Chiefs plus 2.5 in this one. The total's at 46.5 points. Another saga um, that we're going to have between Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. And this is Pat Mahomes' first road playoff game. How do you think he fares? And do you think the Kansas City, C- Kansas City Chiefs can go on the road and win this one, JJ? They absolutely can go and win this game. There's, to me, a lot more pressure on Buffalo in this spot because Buffalo has lost twice to Kansas City. They lost that classic game a few years ago with the 10 seconds, 13 seconds, whatever the hell it was. And then they lost the AFC title game the year before. Now the game is in Western New York. I I think you really got to monitor what that injury report looks like for the Buffalo Bills defensively. I think that's something that you got to take into account going into Sunday. And I I just, I wonder with Kansas City, who is making a play other than Rice? That to Mm -hmm. me is going to be the question. Because Rice had a monster game against Miami. We saw it in the wild card round. Is this going to be a big day of Pacheco and, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Patrick Mahomes using the running backs. Kelsey has not looked like himself. Uh, Pete, I can tell you full disclosure, even as someone that has a very juicy ticket on the Bills to win the Super Bowl, I want absolutely no part of Buffalo winning. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be hooting and hollering for Taylor Swift and Mahomes. I can't believe I'm saying this because they just beat my team last week, but I can't have the folks in Western New York celebrating. Like, I just can't. Like, I can't be in Vegas in a few weeks with all of those Western New York Bills Mafia fans rubbing it in my face that they won the division. I just, I, I can't have that. Um, I'm very torn on this game. I, the total, you know what I think, Tate? Under. This game oh, will be nice. low scoring. This will not be a repeat of what happened a couple of years ago with the Gabe Davis and the Tyree Kill and the up and down a field game the Bills and the Chiefs played. This game's going under that total. It does feel like a converse, the conversation we would always have was like, you know, Josh Allen, he has to go on the road to win against Kansas City. Eventually, they have to be able to get this to a home playoff game. Well, here's the moment. Here's the stage. He has it finally set up. So maybe he gets over those demons. It'll be a great game. I'm excited to see that one. Hey, JJ, let's track to the future and uh, and look at some of these odds that we have courtesy of FanDuel. And uh, let's start with the AFC champion odds right now. Baltimore is the favorite at plus 120. Buffalo plus 230. Kansas City plus 300. And Houston at at plus 1300 who do you like to be the AFC champion is there a team that you're buying in on right now do you like some of the odds in front of us well Baltimore is the team to beat uh from a value standpoint though I think the value is there with Kansas City yeah. Kansas City at three to one they go Super and beat Buffalo I don't think they're gonna be three to one or plus 200 in Baltimore in a couple of weeks or next week I should say uh playing in the AFC title game so I mean you're going with the quarterback that has been the king of getting to the AFC title game and getting to a bunch of Super Bowls over the last five years. So I know it's kind of generic and cliche, but I'd say value Kansas City plus 300. Yeah, and it does seem uh, interesting that now we're talking about the Kansas City defense and we're almost talking about the offense as a liability. But if it does click together and Pat Mahone starts playing the football that we've seen him play in the past in the postseason, uh, things can get very dicey for the rest of those teams in the AFC. Let's look at the NFC. Um, Right now, the Niners are the favorites, heavy favorites at minus 185. You got the Lions plus 330, the Buccaneers plus 900, and the Packers at plus 950. Um, Do you see any value here, JJ, in the NFC, or do you think the Niners? Niners are are, are the foregone conclusion right now. 
Niners going to be playing in the Super Bowl. But if you're going to ask me right now to take a flyer on one of the three, I think it's Tampa at nine to one. Yeah. Just because like of the it. number. Uh, I, I don't like the number as much for Detroit at three to one. If you could have given me five to one with Detroit, I'd be uh, far more inclined, Tate. Uh, and I think the odds indicate what you're going to see in a divisional round where, you know, the Lions, despite the fact that I think that line stinks a little bit, they are still a six-point favorite going into that game. But I'd say Tampa, that number you threw my way, 9-1. to one. I like Tampa 9-1, to one, and I also just like the idea of Baker Mayfield somehow taking the Buccaneers, the team that Tom Brady took and won a Super Bowl with back in uh, his first year post Bill Belichick and Brady uh, in New England and him having the same success. That would be great. Uh, let's look at Super Bowl MVP and some of the favorites. Right now you can get Lamar Jackson at plus 330, Brock Purdy's there at plus 450, and Josh Allen at plus 600. Um, if you do believe in Baltimore, is it worth taking the value pick right now and just going with Lamar Jackson? Because plus 330 is pretty good value. Yeah, it is. I'd be careful with the Niners guys because the Niners guys have so many different avenues to go and win that Super Bowl MVP. Debo Samuel could have a monster game. McCaffrey could have a monster game. Right. Uh, maybe somebody on the defense has a monster game. Ayuk, so, right? Yeah, yeah, like they, don't. Yeah, there's tons of guys. Don't go near any of those San Francisco guys. Uh, Buffalo, you would think if they go and get to the Super Bowl, Allen's going to win the MVP. Uh, that's that's one I kind of like, but. You're not getting much value there because Buffalo, I think, is what five to one to win the Super Bowl, and Allen to win Super Bowl MVP is six to one. Not much of a difference at that point. You might as well just take the five to one. Um, if to me, you're trying to find the no-brainer, Mahomes, Super mm -hmm. Bowl MVP, right? Mm -hmm. Chiefs yeah. get there. Is he not going to win the award? <laughs> of course. I know the defense is great. I know the defense could maybe go and be the difference, but I feel like the voters would just automatically give it to Pat if he ends up getting to the Super Bowl. So that's one I think about. I like that one. Uh, unless the Swifties somehow get their hands on the votes and, and they get Travis Kelsey the award, I, I think it will be Pat Mahomes if the Chiefs do get there. So I, I think that's a great pick. Uh, last one for you, JJ. Last track to the future. This is Super Bowl matchups, which I, I, I do find fascinating. Right now, the favorite is Ravens 49ers, the two one seeds at plus 230. Bills Niners at plus 500. Chiefs Niners plus 500 as well. Then you get Ravens Lions plus 900. Ravens Eagles plus 1400. Chiefs Lions plus 1700. Is there a a matchup that you see, JJ, you close your eyes and you say, that's who I expect to see in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl and that's who we should bet on. Uh, the Buffalo-San Francisco one that mm. I had, and I threw a couple of bucks on this state a few weeks ago, was insane value. It was like a 30 or 40 to 1. So wow. uh, I have a ticket on that. So full disclosure, as disgusted as I would be to see Buffalo <laughs> uh, find their way to Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, they're playing the Niners. It's not a bad consolation for me. Yeah, I love that. And I'm happy that you have the ticket in hand. Uh, you're a smart man. You're a wise guy. That's what they say. Uh, JJ, where can we find all your work here at The Ringer? Wasn't a wise guy this past weekend, but that's the story for a different <laughs> yeah, day. You could, yeah. uh, you could find me in New York, New York. Download the podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, I'm part of The Ringer family. East Coast Bias, which you see each and every week here on FanDuel TV with myself, Joe House, and Raheem Palmer. And then Ringer Wise Guys will have two shows coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, previewing all the divisional round stuff, Tate. So uh, we got a lot cooking over these next few weeks. Uh, the home stretch of the football season is uh, very much a sprint to the finish, my man. There you have it. JJ, the hardest working man in show business. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, coming up, we have the Ringer's very own Kevin O'Connor to talk some NBA. We'll be right back.
This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. Joining us now, you know him from The Mismatch and TheRinger.com. He is the great Kevin O'Connor, KOC. Good to see you, man. Tate, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Um, I'm actually doing just as well as Draymond Green, who was back in the NBA. He uh, came off the bench for the Warriors. Um, if you didn't see this, this happened yesterday on the holiday, January 15th. Shout out to uh, to all the people celebrating the holiday out there. But we got to see Draymond Green back for the Warriors, and he hit a three, um, you know, just a couple possessions into the game, KOC. I don't know if you saw this. What were your thoughts, just generally speaking, about Draymond being back for the Warriors? I mean, obviously, it's a significant benefit to the Warriors with how much their defense has been poor this season. And it's been poor with Draymond, even in the games he's played. But right. as long as he doesn't get himself suspended again, adding some continuity and chemistry on that defense would be a great benefit. The three-pointer he hit that you mentioned, like, he like going crazy afterwards. He's hitting over 40% of his threes this season, over 80% of his free throws, career highs in both. I know, like, the meme is out there of him with the backpack, wearing the backpack with his <laughs> ugly shooting form. Right. He's never been a good shooter. But it's it's at least interesting to see Draymond putting up these numbers this season, both from the line and beyond the arc. Uh, I wonder if he's able to sustain this. He was able to, at least after the break today. Yeah, and Draymond Green, if he does hit threes and he does make free throws, he is a uh, a lot more of a factor for the Golden State Warriors. So that's good news for Steph Curry fans and Warriors fans out there. Um, let's talk about the L.A. Clippers because they are fascinating. If you look at the odds right now to win the Western Conference, the Clippers are plus 500. KOC, are you a buyer? Do you believe in the Clippers winning the West this year? I'm buying. Uh, I mean, obviously, with them, health is always going to be a question to me. Like, it's not just health about, you know, James Harden or Paul George, but it's Kawhi Leonard above all else. Kawhi Leonard is performing at a top five level right now since really like shortly after James Harden was acquired. He's been elite efficiency, averaging nearly 30 points per game, having moments where he looks like his elite self on defense. Kawhi is unbelievable. He's the key to everything working. With that said, though, I mean, James Harden's development over the course of the season, he gets off to a, you know, 10, 10, first 10 or so games, he's not getting to the basket, he's not drawing fouls, he's not scoring efficiently, he's not shooting spot-up threes, and then everything flipped, and Harden looks as good, if not better, than he did last season with the Sixers, when I thought he was a top 30, top 35 player still, he helped Joel Embiid win his first MVP at this point, he's one of the league's most efficient pick-and-roll scorers, one of the most efficient isolation scorers. He looks better than last season overall when you look at those metrics. So I think for the Clippers, Ty Lue has figured out the right combinations with this lineup. 
it's just about health regarding Kawhi Leonard above everybody else. Like if Kawhi is healthy, then yes, the Clippers are, are up there in the Western Conference right behind the Nuggets. Is James Harden going to be an all-star? Because I remember last year there were some conversations about potential controversy behind the idea that he was in Philadelphia and then he wasn't an all-star and then he was upset because now he's not getting the credit for how great he was playing. Like, do we expect to see James Harden in the all-star game and, and you know, performing during all-star weekend? There's just so many candidates this year, so many guys that are up for discussion. I'd be a bit surprised. I don't think he's going to be voted in as a starter, first of all. And if he's not voted yeah. in as a starter, that means the coaches are the ones who determine the reserves. And I just can't imagine the coaches re uh, rewarding him after missing so many games, the trade demand. I'd be a bit surprised if that happens. Yeah, but uh, it will be a conversation point, and I will be watching, mm -hmm. and I'm sure Bill Simmons, the body language doctor, will be all over that, and he will be at the Clippers game, so that'll <laughs> be something. Let's go to the other side of town. Let's talk about the Lakers, because since they won the NBA in-season tournament, they are 5-12. and 12. They're sitting at 11th right now in the Western Conference, and uh, there's a question that you had in your article that I just read on TheRinger.com that you said, what's next for the Lakers? So now I pose that question to you, KFC. What is next for the Lakers and for LeBron and Anthony Davis? <laughs> I mean, I think with them, what's next to is is a unknown. There's no an unknown answer right now because with them, you have the trade rumors of a guy like Dejounte Murray or or Zach Levine, and mm -hmm. you can look around the league. Who are the guys that are actually available for trades for D'Angelo Russell or Rui Hachimura? Will they put an Austin Reeves on the table in any of these types of deals? I look at all of those potential solutions, and to me. None of them are, are an easy answer to fix what's going on now. I, I think it, it needs to happen from within above all else with Darvin Ham figuring out the light, right lineup combinations. We've seen him toy around and, and play five forwards out there starting Jared Vanderbilt. We've seen him move Reeves to the bench, D'Lo to the bench. Their minutes have fluctuated. It just it, like The Lakers right now seem like a team where players don't understand their roles. They don't understand when they'll be in games because it's constantly changing. And Darvin Ham, it, it looks like a coach out there who's just throwing darts, trying to figure it out rather than sticking what worked at the end of last season post-deadline when they nailed it last year. So I think with L.A., they, they should make a move. They, they need to make a move if the intentions are still to maximize your odds around 39-year-old LeBron James and A.D., who's playing unbelievable individual basketball right now. But I, I don't think any of those moves are a solution. It still needs to come from Ham with figuring out the right combos. I mean, is there like a, a Bogdanovich trade that's out there that they could make that could help the team now? Like, is there anything that we'll see before the trade deadline other than like a big move for a Levine or DeJounte Murray? I think Bogdanovich would be a great target that they've had interest in him in past years. Uh, I would imagine if... If the price is right, why would you not at this point? He's six foot nine. He's a versatile shooter. He's a solid uh, defender. He would be a great fit for the Lakers. To me, like I, I still think the moves, the moves pale in comparison to what could happen with internal improvement. Like Austin Reeves, you mentioned him, Tate. Like he was, he was the guy getting the ball at the end of the clock in the first round against the Grizzlies. He was the guy creating shots for them. And yet he hasn't been empowered to be that third guy after he got paid this offseason. So I, I think making a deal and, you know, really investing in some of the guys that you already have, th those are the things that can potentially save your season. But as of now, the Lakers look like a team that's just been completely surpassed 
in the Western Conference by not only just the Clippers, uh, but a young team like the Thunder. Uh, the Nuggets are still far ahead of them. The Lakers just have been bypassed at this point. Yeah, and uh, there's one more team in California that we can talk about. We talked about the Warriors with Draymond. We talked about the Clippers and their chances to win the you know the Western Conference. Talked about the Lakers and their dysfunction. Now let's talk about the Kings because they had a plan A. Plan A was Pascal Siakam. Siakam does not say he will re-sign in the summer. So now we go to Plan B. What is Plan B for the Kings, and how do they stay relevant and uh, a true contender out West? Well, if they don't want to go for Siakam, if the price is too much for him, considering there's no long-term commitment, I think a good plan B for them would be to look at Portland with Jeremy Grant. He hits some of the t- the same notes that Siakam does. Size, mm. defensive versatility, a role on offense where he could be used as a spot-up guy, as a go-to guy in certain situations, as a two-man game guy with Sabonis or with De'Aaron Fox. He, he offers that, that size that Barnes doesn't and that higher-level skill that Barnes doesn't on offense. But I don't think Jeremy Grant alone is turning the Kings from what has been an average team basically the entire season, especially since the middle of December, into a, a serious finals threat. They would need, I think, also on top of that, somebody else like like a Boyan Bogdanovich from the Pistons. They need more size, someone bigger than Kevin Herter, someone who has more dynamics on offense, because as good as Herter was going back to last season as a shooter, the Warriors in that first round last year ran him off the line, neutralized his best skill on offense, and that hasn't yet clicked for him this year either. So I think if the if the Kings were able to get Jeremy Grant plus Boyan Bogdanovich for Barnes, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell, and Picks, they're not the finals favorite by any means. But th- that's a team that would have more size, more versatility, more dynamics that would give them a, a much better chance of actually making a deep run in the postseason. Do we think we have, I mean, I mentioned the All-Star game earlier. Do we have a situation where SGA will be the starter in the All-Star game and now we're going to get Steph Curry coming off the bench in the All-Star game? Do we do we have a little bit of a passing of the torch moment that happens this year at the point guard position? I, I, think, I think we're seeing that happen right now. I guess it also depends on who they label as a guard versus a forward. Like, what is Luka? Is he a guard? Is he a forward? I don't know. Like he's he's both. So I think we'll see uh, if if Steph does come off the bench. But I oh for sure would start SGA over Steph if that is the choice. Yeah, and they've had uh, SGA has dominated that matchup throughout the season and made sure people knew about it uh, with his Instagram post. So shout out to SGA. He's had a lot of fun with that. Uh, shout out to Luca by the way. Leads the M- NBA in FGAs. Uh, that is my favorite stat. He takes 24 shots a game. So Luka Doncic, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk Timberwolves. We're going to talk Wimbenyama, and we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. We'll be right back with KOC. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix.
Welcome back to Through the Ringer here with Kevin O'Connor, and we're talking NBA, and let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. You wrote in your article, Kevin, that you're going to nitpick this team a little bit. Uh, McDaniels, we love him on the wing as a perimeter defender, but he's had some um, young moments, you know, where he's been a little bit frustrated. The Boston Celtics game comes to mind. More fouls than points in that game. Uh, What are the concerns for the Timberwolves uh, when we talk about them actually being a title contender and winning the NBA championship? I mean, the funny thing is, is I don't think Jaden McDaniels is, is at the top of the list. I wrote about him on the ringer, and it was about kind of that, that weak game he had against Boston where he mm-hmm. committed he committed some fouls where he's too handsy. He definitely got frustrated in his own head as he picked up those fouls. He didn't box out Derek White at the end of the game. He took a, a, un, a shot that he should not have taken, a pull-up three-pointer, instead of making the simple play. All of that is young player stuff. And, and to me, it is secondary to the fact that the Wolves do need more overall shooting on their team and they need a better backup guard behind Mike Conley. I think those are mm. number one and number two. And McDaniels does play into one of those with the shooting. He has not been the same level shooter he was last season. His development off the dribble has not come along quite as much as maybe they had hoped this season. Um, but I think number one is finding somebody else who can help facilitate that offense beside Mike Conley. He was out in that Boston game that we're talking about where McDaniels didn't make the big play at the end. They need somebody else who can help just make that offense run well. Conley is a 40-plus percent guy from three. He's good off the dribble. He's a low turnover guy. He's low maintenance. He can play with and without the ball. Finding somebody else, to me, would help keep a a guy on the floor like him at all times. Maybe Tyus Jones from Mm. Washington. That would be a good fit for them, I think. Uh, Minnesota, that's got to be the priority. How do you... How do you maintain that offense so it's not all on Anthony Edwards and in game situations? And he can do it, of course. Um, but finding one other guy to me is the key. Yeah, and Anthony Edwards uh, has just had some big games throughout the year, averaging 26 points per game, and he's had these big moments as well. But McDaniels on the defensive end has been great guarding guys awesome. like Paolo Bancaro. Um, you also got Rudy Gobert, who right now, if you look at the odds, minus 230 to be Defensive Player of the Year. You've been a guy that's defended Gobert throughout the years, KOC. How do you feel about him winning <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year again? I'm sorry, but Gobert has shown throughout this season, including in that moment against Kawhi. Kawhi is, what, a three? He's a small forward. You're defending him. On an island, in an endgame situation, Kawhi, who is the number one most efficient isolation scorer of the season, and you contain him on his and his attack and block him, that is defensive player of the year caliber stuff. And he did it twice in that game, by the way, containing mm-hmm. him and bothering his shot. So I think with Gobert, the rim protection has been elite. The perimeter defense has been very good, and he has more support around him with guys like McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, who, who and, and, and that's more than ever that he had in Utah when he won three defensive player of the years already. This is the best Gobert has ever looked on defense for that reason because of his supporting cast. Uh, Wimbenyama, everybody fawns over this kid, and we've seen some great moments. He gets his first triple-double uh, this past week, so that was good to see. Midseason evaluation, how are we feeling about Wimbenyama, KOC? Is he is he on the timeline that we expect? Is he ahead of schedule? How do we feel about what we've seen so far? Further along than anticipated, and mm. the, the 10-assist, zero-turnover game he had, in my opinion, which was part of that triple-double, I thought summed it all up with him. The playmaking is further ahead. The scoring on the perimeter is about where expected. The shot still needs to be developed. The defense is elite as expected. The interior finishing is elite as expected. But the facilitating 
even on Monday against the Hawks, he had a play where he had the ball on the left wing and he and he looked like he was going in into his jumper until he fired a ball to a cutter, improvising within the flow of the play. And it's moments like that where it's like, okay, the Spurs all season long, it's been about, oh, Jeremy Sohan shouldn't be the point guard. Make it Trey Jones. And then they put Jones in the starting lineup and he is running more point for them. But the big difference has been running stuff through Wemby. And mm. that's where I do think he's further ahead than anticipated this year. So uh, Wemby is neck and neck with Chet Holmgren for rookie of the year, in my opinion. I don't think that's anywhere close to over. Um, but Wemby is further along individually. And I saw a report, Kevin. Uh, I keep bringing it back to All-Star Weekend. I guess we're, you know, almost less than a month away. So that's why it's on my mind. But Wimbenyama is expected to participate in the skills challenge. Do you think this will help grow the the allure of Victor Wimbenyama and sort of the, uh, the the legend of Victor Wimbenyama if he goes and dominates the skills challenge? Maybe if he wins it. <laughs> it's also he, possible. Yeah, okay, there you go. He's got, that's a good point. He's got to win it. <laughs> he's got to win it. It's, all, it's also possible that it's like uh, a media day where he's missing all these jumpers wearing his jersey, and, and people are like, uh-oh, is he going to be any good? He, he could he have a brick fest out there, too, on the skills challenge. Yeah, he does say the right thing. He's very polished. I saw a quote the other day from him. He said, I like to be coach, and if, I, and if I'm not playing well, I would like to be sent to the G League. Um, so I do like that he has some humility. He's too about polished. Him. I think he's gonna loosen up a little bit. You're a teenager. Yeah. Loosen up, Wendy. Well, he said you can send him to the G League uh, if he's not playing well. So I do have to respect that. Well, Shout they did to bench Wimby him Yama. on Monday. All right, uh, yeah. starting the second half, right. he came off the bench. Like Pop sent a message, and Wemby responded. Like I thought that mm. was really cool to see. And we now see him. We see him play in center also, Kevin. I think that's mm -hmm. also noteworthy that he's playing the five spot and everybody expected eventually he would shift down to the five. And maybe that goes back to what you were saying. He is a bit ahead of schedule that Pop's already putting him there, letting him initiate offense. And uh, as we can tell, the sky's the limit with Victor Wimbanyama. So it's uh, it's good to see for the NBA and everybody out there that believed in the number one pick. Um, let's talk about the Eastern Conference real quickly. We've, we've kind of kept it in the West. Um, we got midseason Eastern Conference whip around. We're going to start with the Boston Celtics. Right now, they're plus 290 to win the NBA championship, KOC. They are the favorites. Do you believe, do you think that Boston should be the favorites to go win the NBA championship? They should be the favorites in the East. Uh, I still think Denver is the favorite overall. They have the best mm. player in the league in Nikola Jokic and one of the best top sixes, top seven rotations. But Boston at plus 290 is fair. Um, they're loaded. They still have a deal that they could potentially make. Uh, before the deadline as well to further bolster their rotation and Tatum and Brown when those guys are at their best they are hard to beat so plus 290 is fair is there someone out there I mean I know we're doing some hypotheticals today but is there someone out there that you say that fits kind of the Celtics culture and someone that they should go after to help this team I, I just think maybe over Sam Hauser. Hauser is a dynamic shooter. He's excellent, 40% plus from three. But defensively, last year, he did get picked on. He is the mm. weak link at times with some of the lineups they run. But I, I think other than that, Boston's top six is locked in. It's about finding that seventh or eighth guy on the back end of your rotation. Yeah, and that's a, that's a privileged position to be in if you're the Boston Celtics. You're looking for your seventh and eighth guy while everybody Absolutely. else is trying to find their fourth and fifth guy. So it's a good spot to be in. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Dame hit a game winner. We got the Dame time moment. We got the picture with all the Bucks teams, uh, teammates. And we also get Brooke Lopez. There were some videos that came out that said he wanted the ball um, from Dame Lillard on that last shot. But then <laughs> that was all debunked, so that was fun. Um, how do we feel about the Dame-Giannis situation as it currently you know stands here on a Tuesday morning? 
I mean, their offense is beautiful. Uh, the mm-hmm. offense is, is is great to watch, and Dame and Bolt and Giannis in their respective ways this season have taken over in moments to to just drag the Bucks to victory. I I still think their defense is a major concern. Last week against Boston on the second night of a back to back for the Celtics, their defense, the Bucks defense, looked outstanding. They they came with a great game plan. They executed it at the high level, but then you see moments like against the Kings, where they just cannot get stops at all. And their defense has been poor for the most part, other than that Boston game. At the end of that regulation game with the Bucks and the Kings, Adrian Griffin made some strange calls, having the ball inbounded to Giannis twice, uh, falling up three against very good free throw shooters, even though they were inbounding to Giannis. It was some strange decisions where it felt like they were giving the game away. And Bucks fans, they are very skeptical of Griffin. With that said, I still think it, like the the fixes for that defense are out there. Um, so you got to feel good about the Bucks being one of the favorites in the East, but they're not above Boston right now until that the defense is resolved. Yeah, the Bucks plus four sixty to win the NBA championship. So obviously the odds say that they are not at that same level as the Boston Celtics. Giannis right now plus six hundred to win MVP, and Dame uh, plus one eighty five to win Clutch Player of the Year. Do you like that? Do you think Dame has been the Clutch Player of the Year so far, KOC? I think that feels pretty good, and he did have that moment. The game winner against the Kings is going to be something that sticks in the mind of voters when it comes time to, to cast a ballot in April because that the game winner was nasty. Like That was yeah. an amazing game winner going half the length of the court, sidestepping from the logo and swishing it. Like That was a crazy game winner, and maybe there's more to come for him too, especially with the Bucks playing a lot of close games. It does feel like a cheat code that they have Giannis and Dame Lillard at the end of games, and it's going to be tough to deal with that inside-outside combination. So that is good news. The last team I'm going to talk about in the East, the Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers, uh, plus 550 to win the NBA championship. How do we feel about Nick Nurse, Maxi, Joel Embiid in this team right now? I think the combination's great. Uh, I'd like to, like to see them get one more guy. Embiid's playing better than he ever ha- ever has, even more than last season when he won MVP. Maxi's leap seems for real, and the nurse system is working. Tobias Harris is playing great. Nick Batum is working within the flow of that offense as well. Guys like the Anthony Melton, up and down the roster, it's mm-hmm. all clicking. Uh, they're just missing one more guy who can create shots from the perimeter. And if if Daryl Morey, their general manager, is able to turn like a, the Marcus Morris salary or Robert Covington and flip that into a, a shot creator, uh, that, that that could be the piece that, that is missing for them. But they definitely have an, a, a strong chance, especially given the level Embiid and Maxi are at together. Well, KOC, you were the piece that was missing from the show. We needed some NBA conversation, <laughs> so we appreciate you joining. Uh, where can we find all your work here at The Ringer so people can stay tuned in? Uh, on the Mismatch podcast feed, me and Chris Vernon every Tuesday and Friday and over at TheRinger.com. We also have the, the Ringer's NBA Draft Guide launching yeah. next week. Next week, the Draft Guide is la- launching. We'll have to talk some draft at some point, Tate, a little college basketball talk. I love it. Dalton Connect, put him on the board, KOC. Uh, <laughs> Top 30 love... for sure on my board. There you go. There you go. Lock <laughs> it in. Uh, you're the best. Thanks for coming to the show, and we'll be right back. All 
right, there you have it for this week at Through the Ringer. We miss Cousin Sal on the show, but again, duty calls. Bill Simmons calls and says we need you on the podcast. So uh, shout out to Sal for all of his hard work, and shout out to our, our great producers and uh, you know great team here for getting the show put together. John Jastrzemski stepping in. Appreciate him joining the show, and of course, thanks to Kevin O'Connor as always for joining on the sh- for joining the show. We'll be back on Friday here on Through the Ringer. We'll have Nora back on the show talking about the matchups from the divisional round, and we'll also have another special guest from the Ringer universe. Uh, Until then, we'll see you on Friday.